Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special Christmas message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Uh, Herod was so cruel that Caesar Augustus made the comment that it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son. Uh, One night he got mad at his wife and he murdered her. And then his two sons disagreed with that and you guessed it, he murdered them as well. And the next morning he felt bad about it so he built this huge tower dedicated to their memory. Uh, When he was in his 70s he knew that he was dying and that When he died, no one would mourn for his death because nobody really liked him. So, um, and many would be glad to see him go. And so he ordered that a hundred leaders in Jerusalem be killed upon his death. Thinking that if the city won't mourn for me, then let them mourn for those who died. And so they gathered the leaders together. And of course, when Herod died, uh, they let those leaders go free. So it was in the days of Herod, the Bible tells us, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You know your Bibles, don't you? Bethlehem was a very notable city in the scriptures. Uh, If you take your notes, Bethlehem comes from two words, Bethlehem. Beth means house, and lehem, bread, house of bread. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Uh, Anybody know what city David was from? Just call out right where you are. Anybody know where city David is from? Yeah, I just gave you the answer. Bethlehem. <laughs> come on, people. Come on. <laughs> Bethlehem. Um, <laughs> David was crowned king of Israel in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the place where Boaz was gleaning in the field, and Ruth saw him and came into the field, and eventually Ruth marries Boaz and becomes the grandparent of anybody know? King David, very good. Again, Bethlehem meaning house of bread. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? And then about 30 plus years later, he would then stand and say, I am the bread of life. Really interesting. And so if you were with us last night, I told you that the shepherds came to Jesus that night, as well as wise men came to Jesus from the east. The wise men are asking the question, where is the king of the Jews? Go ahead and look at your Bibles in verse Uh, 2. These wise men are asking the question, where is the king of the Jews? Now, the title wise men is the word magi, magi. These wise men were astrologers. They were astronomers, which means that they studied the stars. In those days, they studied the stars without a telescope. Magi were generally very political and very powerful men who came from the east, Babylon, and Persia. 
So they were out studying the stars, and they see a sign, and they go to Jerusalem, and they ask, where is the one who is born the king of the Jews? Now listen close here. Something very interesting. Listen. They say, where is he born the king of the Jews? This is the first question asked in the New Testament. Just fact. The first question asked in the New Testament is, where is he born the king of the Jews? Where is Jesus? Uh, The first question asked in the Old Testament was asked by God. Remember when Adam was hiding from God because of the sin of him and Eve sinning? And he was hiding from God. And God asked the first question in the Old Testament when God said, Adam, where are you? Uh, He didn't ask Adam, where are you? Because he didn't know where Adam was because God knows everything. He knew where Adam was. But he asked Adam, where are you? Because he wanted Adam to know where Adam was. Did you get that? He wanted Adam to know where Adam was. Like, look, you know, sometimes God wants you to look at yourself. Somebody say amen. God wants you to look at you. Where are you? He knows where you are. You're not hiding anything from him. So the first question in the Old Testament is, Adam, where are you? And the first question in the New Testament is, where is the king of the Jews? So I see it as where is the king of the Jews, is, 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 which the answer is Jesus, is actually answering the sin problem of the question asked in the Old Testament. Because God asked that question in relationship or in regard to their sin. Where are you? And the Magi say, Jesus, the king of the Jews. The answer to the sin problem is the king of of the Jews. The answer to the sin problem is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Well, notice in verse 3, when Herod heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem was troubled because when Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And if Herod had a bad hair day, you had a bad head day. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Verse 4, Herod gathered all the chief priests. Look at verse 4 in your Bibles. Herod gathered all the chief priests together and asked, Where was Jesus? And they didn't break a sweat. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea. And then they quote Micah chapter 2 to tell the king this is how they know that he's in Bethlehem of Judea. Because they know what the Bible says. He will be born in Bethlehem. Listen, Herod didn't trust the priest. And so he told them to leave. And he calls a wise man. He asks, how long ago did they see the star appear? Why? Because he wants to know how old the child is so he can kill the children. Notice he says, go and search for the child, not the baby. Did you get that? Go search for the child. And when you have found him, let me know so I can come worship him also. So not only is Herod a murderer, but he's a lying murderer because he didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to find Jesus so that he could kill Jesus because there was a new king in town. There's a new king in town. I need to kill him. Notice in verse 9 in your Bibles, they leave the king and, 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 and the star. They leave and the king and the star leads them. And stops right over the house where Jesus was. Notice where the child was. Not a baby. Are you looking at verse 9? Notice till it came and stood over where the young, somebody say it, child was. You see that? By this time, 
Jesus isn't a baby born in Bethlehem. Do you realize that Matthew chapter 2, Jesus isn't a baby at this point. He's a child, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years old. He's now a child in the house, not in the manger. So the wise men don't come to the manger. They come to the house. Now, I realize, listen, this messes up your whole Christmas. Because you're, you're thinking, man, you messed me up. I mean, I even got a Christmas card. And the wise men were going to the manger. And I looked at the Christmas card and I thought, this is heresy. <laughs> Burn a heresy. Because, you know, some of, your, some of your front lawn is is full of heresy. Do you realize that? You got three lighted wise men that you got at Walmart on the front yard in front of the manger. That's not biblical. Go home. And unplug your unbiblical heresy. Stop it. Unplug it. Take it back to Walmart with the receipt. It's unbiblical. You don't need a receipt. Just take it back. <laughs> you work there? Do you really? You used to. You don't need a receipt. You don't need a receipt. Why did it give me so much problem? So notice in verse 11 in your Bibles, when they came into the house, I want you to look at verse 11, please. When they came into the house with Mary, notice they fell down and worshiped him and they offered him what they offer him, saints, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now, again, we're all victims of Christmas card and Christmas music theology. Christmas card theology is you, you have your understanding of God and the Christmas story from Christmas cards and Christmas music. You know, for example, we come to understand that the three wise men, that there were three wise men based on Christmas music. Uh, we, you know, we, we sing the song, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel so far, field and fountain, more mountain, following yonder star. We three kings, we think it's really three kings. And the reason why we think there were three kings, because they bought three gifts. They bought gold, they bought frankincense, and they bought myrrh. But we don't know that there were three kings. The Bible doesn't tell us that there were three kings. The Bible says they were the kings, the wise men. And, 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 and they, and they could, have, could have been three, could have been 300, could have been 3,000, could, could have been 15. We, we don't know. But you should take note that the wise men came and they stirred up all of Jerusalem. Did you get that? I get the impression there was a lot of them. I know that. So there's this huge entourage that pulls into town, and the camels and the guards, and they pull into Mary and Joseph's driveway, and Mary says, Joe, uh, are you expecting guests, honey? And they come into the house, and they fall down at Jesus' feet, and they worship him. Did you get that scene in your mind? They fell down at the feet of a two-year-old, and they opened the gifts I never saw that in the Christmas story. Not in all these years I've been preaching. They opened the gifts and they gave it to him. They opened the gold and handed it to him. You know, like what we do is we give you a gift and we say, now open it. Go ahead, open it right now. Open it right now. I can't wait for you to open it. I just did it between services. Somebody, I gave him a gift. And I said, you got to open it right now. Right now? Yeah, right now. Just open it. I'm standing right here. Open it. That's kind of awkward, though, because if you don't like it, what do you say? You know what I mean? Take it out of the box and you go, Oh, that's interesting. Or you go, oh, this is so nice. What is it? But notice the Bible says they opened the gifts 
And then they gave these very costly gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh to Jesus. Now, I think the big question for all of us is, why do we need a savior? Okay, Rodney, I got you. A savior is born. The savior came into the world. But why? I want to answer that question for you this morning. Why we need a savior? If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And if not, I have it for you on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2, why do we need a Savior? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. In Ephesians, Paul writes, he says, and you, matter of fact, it's on the screen. Can you read it with me? And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Why do we need a savior? Listen, you got a pen? Write this down. Number one, because according to Ephesians chapter two, we are all sick unto death with sin. Oh, you can say amen right there because that's true. We're all sick unto death with sin. Now, listen, if you ask most people why we need a savior, they would say sin makes us guilty before God and and brings us under condemnation. You know, it's not like being in a bad position with God. Sin is not like being in the doghouse, if you will. We're not in the doghouse. According to Ephesians, we're in the morgue. If you're in the doghouse, see, you might, you, might, you might whimper. You might say, I'm sorry, or have mercy. You might if you're in the doghouse, but when you're in the morgue, you can't say anything. You're dead. And when you're dead, you have no spiritual inclinations at all. You need a savior to forgive you, but also you need a savior to give you life. So we need a savior. Number one, he was born. And why do we need him? Because we're all sick with sin unto death. Number two, because we are sabotaged by Satan. Notice in Ephesians, it says we once walked according to the prince of the power of the air or a ruler of the authority of the air. Listen, air is everywhere. Between heaven above and the earth beneath is the realm of air. And that's where man lives. Sometimes we say things like there's an excitement in the air or there's a sleepiness in the air. Whatever's in the air, what this means is Whatever's in the air is gripping everybody and it's influencing everyone. And this influence is widespread. Paul is saying in Ephesians that Satan's influence is so pervasive that it can be called the power of the air. The prince or the ruler of this world has sabotaged man with evil influence and activity and it's pervasive. It's in the air. The Bible calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. Paul calls Satan the God of this world. Jesus called him the ruler of this world. And anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, who hasn't received a child born on Christmas morn, is controlled by Satan. Notice the end of verse 2 says, The spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also lived before Christ. Number three, we need a savior Because we are sentenced 
to judgment. So there's a ruler over the evil authority of the air, and that would be Satan. And he works in all those who are without the Savior. And until we're rescued by the Savior, we are by nature the children of wrath. Did you get that? We are by nature the children of the wrath of God, which means that we naturally do those things which God hates. By nature, we refused the gospel. And by nature, we were filled with desire that amounted to idolatry. We are all by nature the children of wrath. And because God is a righteous God, he must judge sin. Listen, God is a righteous God. But because God is a righteous God, and you can say a better amen than that. Say amen. Because God is a righteous God, he must judge sin. You've got to understand something. God's love and God's judgment or God's wrath go hand in hand. They both must co listen. They both must coexist in order for us to be able to say that God is a just God. That God is a righteous God, that God does all things appropriately and does them well and he does them according to his plan and good purpose and he never makes a mistake and he never has a plan B and he never does anything wrong because he is God. In order for us to be able to say that, God has to judge sin. So we say that God is a righteous God, that God is a a God of love and that God is a God of grace and God is a God of mercy. But he's also a God of wrath. And those two, again, must go together. Listen, the best example that I can come up with, and, and maybe you can come up with a better one, but here's the best example I can come up with. Say that a rabbit diseased dog comes into your house on Christmas morning. I just do that in there since it's Christmas on Christmas morning. And tears up all your gifts and bites all your children. This rabid, diseased dog, and he's got foaming coming out of his mouth, and he's like, and he's like rabid. And you, or say I, I, I take out my, my 38, not, not that I have one, but, but if I had a 38, I take out my 38 and I shoot the dog. And I kill this rabid, diseased dog dead. Would I be just? Of course I would be. Or should I say with this rabid diseased dog who's biting my kids and infecting my kids, should I say, oh, you know what? Oh, just go on and pet the puppy. Oh, he's a nice puppy. And, and you know, he's a rescue. You know, we're really into rescues and he's a rescue. Go ahead and pet the puppy. No, you wouldn't think that. This rabid, diseased dog, rescued dog is doomed to die. Why? Because, listen, here's the expression of God's love for his family. Because I love my family, I have to judge this dog. I have to judge that sin. Because God loves you as his child, sin must be judged. The wrath of God and the love of God go hand in hand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They go hand in hand. God must judge sin. God is a God of love, and because God is a God of love, and God knows how destructive sin is, God, in his love, pours out his wrath on sin. Only Jesus, listen, can deliver us from the wrath and the judgment of God. Can somebody say amen right there? 
You know, there was this great preacher by the name of uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, perhaps you know that name, and he died in 1981, and he preached for 40 years, and I love Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he preached for 40 years, and, and uh, the year before his death, Christianity Today did an interview with him and said to him, they asked him, they said, do you have a word for this generation? And he quoted 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. Listen, only the babe born in Bethlehem on Christmas morn who rose up, lived as a man, walked on the earth for 33 years, was beaten and brutalized and nailed to a tree and lifted high on that day. And then they buried him, and three days later he rose again. Only he is able to deliver you from the wrath of God. Did you hear me? (laughs) Only he. So why do we need a Savior? Because we are sick unto death with sin, because we are sabotaged by Satan, and because we are sentenced to hell. And God knew we needed a Savior, and that's why Jesus came at just the right time. Somebody say amen. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 tell us, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. The words fullness of time means at just the right time. It means when time Time was ripe like fruit. Jesus came into the world. The time was ripe culturally and politically and spiritually. And God had a plan on how he was going to redeem man. And God sent his son on Christmas morning to die for the sins of the world. Think about that. When Jesus was born, are you listening? Listen. When Jesus was born, history fell in half. Think about that. You date your letters and your checks and your income tax forms with a number representing how many years have gone by since Jesus came. The babe born in Bethlehem wants to be born in our hearts. And may it be true that the Savior will be born in our hearts. Just like in Bethlehem when the Savior was born, everything changed. So it's true. And maybe I can get a witness. When Jesus was born again in my heart and in your heart, everything changed. Is that right? Everything changes. And the wise men, they come and they bring him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why? Because gold is what you give to a king. And the Bible says that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You know that. And they're actually coming and they're crowning him as king. Are you listening? They're crowning him as king. You're giving a baby a brick of gold? Who gives a baby a brick of gold? No one. Not unless that baby is God. Not unless that baby is a king. So they bring him gold and they bring him frankincense, which speaks of the fragrance of his life, perfect life, purity. Frankincense is what you give to priests for the sacrifice. And they give him myrrh. Myrrh speaks of death. Myrrh speaks of bitterness. Do you understand that bringing Jesus myrrh is like bringing a baby a death certificate? Say you go to visit a mom and a baby in a hospital and you bring a death certificate. Well, that's a little creepy, but that's what it was like. But don't you understand that gold, frankincense, and myrrh was actually the preaching of the gospel and of his life, that he is a 
king and he is a priest and he is a prophet, prophet, priest and king. And that he is, and, and that he's a king, speaks of gold and the frankincense, is the fragrance, the sweet fragrance of his life. And, and, and the myrrh that speaks of death and suffering as Jesus was appointed to die and suffer for the sins of men. These wise men were wise men. These wise men, they bring him wise gifts. I love that bumper sticker. Maybe you have it on your car. that says, wise men still seek him. Don't you love that bumper sticker? And then I think of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see the baby, listen, I come in right here for a landing. The baby in the manger grew up to become the God-man. And he didn't grow up to do good deeds and heal a few hundred people. And he didn't grow up to be a great preacher to show us how to live. That baby, with all of his cuteness, lived a perfect life, died a terrible, cruel, awful, painful death. And every pain from the nails driving in his hands and every drop of blood caused by the thorns pressed in his head and every stripe that was laid upon his back was caused by you and me. And the ultimate goal of Christmas was that God sent his son to die for us. And the baby Jesus asleep on the hay became the bloody sacrifice on the cross from the cradle to the cross to the crown as he will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want you to clap your hands better than that. And that, my friends, is why they were wise men to bring him these gifts. This Christmas morning, you might not have gold to give him. You might not have myrrh and frankincense, but you can give him your heart. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.